Rajni, what's wrong? Tom, I have a script and I don't know what to do with it. Should I burn it? Feed it to my cat? You need some writer's group therapy. Hello and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Are you ready for your session? The doctors are in. So guys, we have a confession. We have bad taste. (laughs) We have horrible taste. We have horrible taste in movies and TV. We all have our hidden, our our guilty pleasures. We all have uh, movies that we think uh, are fantastic, but everyone else, you know, just dumps on. So we're going to talk about some of our favorites that other people hate. (laughs) Do you want to start or shall I? I've got a pretty easy one because I don't know if anyone else liked this movie. I really liked M. Night Shyamalan's Lady in the Water. I have not seen it. I've not seen it. It stars uh, Paul Giamatti and Bryce Dallas Howard. And it's about a community living in an apartment complex. Um, and it's kind of a fairy tale about a, a, a nymph that comes out of uh, the pool at the uh, uh, apartment complex and uh, is found by a uh, the uh, superintendent played by Paul Giamatti. And I, I'm not sh- sure why people didn't like it so much. I think there was a, a, a period where people were just hating on M. Night for some reason, you know, because he was such a huge success with success with the Sixth Sense. And he did, <laughs> say that uh, five times fast. The Sixth Sense, yeah, with the Sixth Sense and and the Village and Signs, those were all pretty big hits. And so this one came out, and I guess it just didn't match up to those. But I think, um, as a writer especially, I felt that the yeah you know, it was a little playful, uh, a little um, a little lighter, and um, the character you know the characters. Um, in fact, one of the characters is a writer who are writing a uh, 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 writing critic. So he's almost critiquing the, the, the story as it goes, which is kind of a little in-joke. But um, it was really, I just really enjoyed it. The characters had really great uh, storylines, and uh, it all kind of connected really well. So I, I really enjoyed it, and um, I, I, it's my guilty pleasure. So other people just didn't like it. I, I just, I, can, I watch it again and again, and I still enjoy it. So, I mean, without spoilers... I heard it wasn't scary. Like, Signs is scary or creepy. Sixth Sense is creepy. But I heard Lady in the Water wasn't a horror film. I would agree. Oh, yeah, definitely not a horror film. There is some action to it. There are some, there is a creature or some creatures that um, are part of the story that are trying to get the um, nymph that Paul Giamatti's character Cleveland is protecting. So it's it's about stepping out of your comfort zone and, 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 you know, being... Uh, uh, well, actually, Paul Giamatti's character is kind of introverted. He used to be a doctor, and his family was killed in an accident. And so he's kind of become the superintendent of a of apartment building because he's kind of closed himself off to the world. And this interaction with this mystical person, you know, kind of opens him up and sh- and and shows him to be alive again. And I thought that was a really powerful, you know, arc for his character that he has to become you know, strong and not be afraid of the world and not, you know, I don't know if he was suicidal or not, but he was just really not, you know, he's a very unhappy person at the beginning of the movie. And I think at the end of the movie, he feels like he's accomplished something that he saves this, this, uh, this Bryce, Bryce's character. And he feels like I have a reason to live now. I have, you know, I've 
thwarted evil, you know, because he thought he could never do that because of what happened to his family. So maybe maybe the reason people didn't like it, because I remember seeing the trailers and it looked like a horror film. So maybe people thought, oh, it's a horror film. And then they go in and it's not what they thought. And after, you know, M. Night's other movies, you might, you know, expect that too. So I could see how they would be, you know, misled maybe. And the trailer, yeah, the trailers showed all the action and stuff, but it's really, it's really more of a heartfelt fantasy um, movie um, with some action. And, uh, and, and it just has some really unique characters that are really fun, I felt. So if you can kind of take those parts of it and you know, kind of look at it from that perspective, I think people would really enjoy the movie. But if you come in thinking M. Night Shyamalan, you know, horror, scary, you know, you know, with big twists and stuff, this one doesn't have that big a twist to it. It's, it's kind of more linear. Yeah, that's cool. Huh. So what's your big uh, uh, guilty pleasure? Oh my gosh. I like to tell people that I have a TV curse because if I like a show and I don't watch, to be fair, I actually don't watch a ton of TV or or stuff. I mostly go to films. I've been trying to get more into TV stuff just because I'm an actor. We should be watching more TV. And then if you're writing a spec script, but if I watch a show fairly religiously, it goes off the air within about two seasons. So I don't watch my show, please. Don't. That's what people tell me. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, because they'll be like, oh, have you seen Game of Thrones? I'm like, you don't want me to watch it. You know, it'll go off. But um, let me see here. So let me name all the shows that I've liked that have gone off within two seasons. Dinotopia, Covington Cross, Joan of Arcadia. And this one made it to a rare three, but season three wasn't very good. The BBC version of Robin Hood. Oh, I'm on board with you there with the BBC. What, I, people didn't like that? The I, Well, I have the DVD set. I watched it through season two. I cannot get into season three. Do you want me to spoil it for you? I've watched oh, it. Oh, you watched I it? I loved it. Okay. Yeah. All right, so spoiler alert for all of you guys. If you are thinking of watching it, this is a spoiler alert. Just mute it for like a couple seconds here. But they kill Marion at the end of season two, and it was so hard for me to get into season three because of that. I just felt like it wasn't as good. So that's why I haven't really finished season three, but oh. to me, that kind of really just, I mean, it's the legend. She's alive, you know? So why did you do that? Don't get me wrong. It was a great death scene, but, but yeah, I just, I have a penchant for shows that don't make it. <laughs> yeah, I only have one. I mean, I'm a sci-fi nerd, so there's a lot of sci-fi shows that get canceled after one season. Firefly, everyone, you know, that had a huge cult following after it got canceled. It even got a feature film out of it. So that that was one of them. So I'm not alone in that in that respect. There was a there was a TV show called Space Above and Beyond. It was really hardcore science where, you know, there was a kind of humans versus an alien race. And that was really, uh, I thought, a really good, you know, kind of war drama. But with sci-fi, you know, sci-fi element that got canceled after one season. You know, Joss Whedon's one of my favorite, you know, show producers. He did uh, Buffy, of course, that did great. But then he did uh, The Dollhouse, which was kind of a unique sci-fi film that a uh, show that didn't quite catch on. Well, I think with a lot of the shows that I named, a lot of them are fantasy or sci-fi. Covington Cross, Dinotopia, and Robin, well, Robin Hood's kind of fantasy, but they shot that on location. But a, a lot of them, I think, were just too expensive to do. Yeah, Covington Cross was like shot in a castle in England. So that one was like 13 episodes. And in fact, that one, that one died because of a very interesting reason. That was when Ross Perot decided to preempt primetime television to, he was running as an independent 
it was an election year and he <laughs> really yeah he bought up time on tv to kind of do like a fireside chat thing and it happened to be that spot and so the show debuted it aired like maybe two episodes then he bought up a ton of primetime airtime and when the show tried to come back there was no following because everyone had forgotten about oh. it yeah so it died for a very wow. interesting reason and you know also if you watch it, it is expensive it's cheesy as all get out but i loved it absolutely loved it dinotopia um i think that one came out when i was in college and i would come home because i didn't have tv at um in my dorm room and i'd come home and i'd watch it when i was visiting my mom and it was just it was so cheesy i, I don't know what it is i guess i really just love cheesy tv a couple other movies um on my list uh were the 1980s matthew broderick uh, godzilla version of godzilla a lot of people hated that wait matthew broderick was in godzilla yeah yeah he played like a scientist oh. that that was brought in to, by the i don't know brought in by the mayor of new york or somebody to try to track down no. this uh lizard in new york yeah and uh, are you kidding? It also me? starred Hank Azaria as a cameraman, so he was funny. Wait, wait—is it—is this a TV movie? I got to see this now. This is not. No, no, it was a feature film. It was a uh, Emmerich, Ronald Emmerich. Uh, What's big, it called? Huge, it's called Godzilla. I I can give you. I think I have it somewhere. Do you have the DVD? Um, I like, possibly I am do. Not, I cannot put Godzilla and Matthew Broderick together in my head. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It, 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 the movie. I mean, seeing the the recent Godzilla movie with um, Brian Cranston. You know that one. The they, they really went back to the more the traditional Japanese vision of Godzilla, and that was just much more true. I mean, that wasn't great, but it was much more true to the uh, original stories. The one they did in the '80s um, was a com- very different kind of film. Uh, it was uh, Godzilla was was nowhere near the same, you know, kind of uh, creature as he was in the uh, Japanese, you know, canon of Godzilla lore. Looked completely different. Looked more like just a dinosaur, you know, kind of wandering around New York City and eating fish and you know laying eggs. It was uh, it was kind of interesting. Um, but I, the characters I thought were funny, and and it was you know it was it was also done a little on the comedic side. Now, if you look at the the Godzilla stories of the past, Godzilla is the main character, and the humans are kind of secondary to what Godzilla is trying to do. Godzilla is usually the good guy who's actually trying to fight the evil monsters. In the one that they did in the '80s, Godzilla is just a creature who happens to migrate into Manhattan, and the military is trying to stop him. So. It's it's not the it's not the same Godzilla story. So from that perspective, it was a total failure because they really went in a completely different direction with the story. But as a movie with the characters and the action, I thought it was still fun. I'm I'm still you wow. You still on the whole Matthew Broderick I'm thing? I'm still trying to wrap my head around that one. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's hilarious. While I've really enjoyed the recent Planet of the Apes movies, uh, the 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 first of the newer generation of those with Mark Wahlberg, that was panned pretty horribly. Ironically, it also starred Paul Giamatti, same who <laughs> was in so Lady in just, the Water. You just like Paul Giamatti. Yeah, yeah. I like Paul Giamatti. Yeah, I like anything Paul Giamatti's in. But uh, I thought it was a pretty fun movie. It was definitely, you know, it, it it definitely was on the campier side. It really didn't fall on either spectrum of the original uh, Planet of the Apes movies uh, from my childhood. Uh, or the newer ones. It's obviously it has a completely different tone 
and feel to it um, with the characters and the and the. I mean, they really made like an ape planet. Like the apes were very humanized in this versus um, in the new version. The apes are actually still apes. They have they live in the woods, but they're trying to build their own society and they're just trying to do their own thing. They don't try to be humans, which is what they did in the Tim Burton one uh, with Mark Wahlberg and that one. So that was a little bit off-putting, I think, for some people because they literally had, you know, houses and kitchens and, you know, they had businesses. And, and so that, you know, felt a, that actually was a little bit more like the older movies. But I think, it you know, it was more like trying to remake the older ones versus trying to do something cool and new and, and unique like what they've done with the, the ones starting with James Franco and, um, and uh, Caesar, the... Uh, what's his name Sakaris Andy Sakaris who did that he won Oscars I think for doing the ape uh motion motion capture stuff Andy Circus yeah oh okay you said Sakaris I was like who's that sorry Sarkis. thank okay. you thank you my pronunciation's <laughs> off there my bad sorry Andy you know it's funny speaking of um sorry I'm still stuck on the Matthew Broderick thing <laughs> speaking you're of, never gonna let that go are you I just I just it just does not compute like even from a yeah, I'm just like, my brain's like just exploded. Godzilla and Matthew Broderick. But speaking of really campy movies, I don't know if you ever saw this. It was a TV movie. They played it a few times. And then it actually came out on DVD a couple years later. And again, it's it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so cheesy. It's called Camp Cucamonga. Have you seen it? No, I can honestly say okay. no. <laughs> You're like, thank goodness. So it's this campy camp movie and it starred all the big names of the 80s so like Jaleel White, Candace Cameron's in it, uh, the girl who played Winnie Cooper, um, what's her name again? Uh, Dan- Danica Miller no. Yeah, McKellar Danica McKellar, McKellar she's yeah. in it and then one of her Wonder Years co-stars is in it uh, not not Kevin Arnold but the other one um, so anyway, so it's just this really cheesy camp movie and it's Oh my gosh, it's hilarious. And I absolutely loved it. I ended up buying it on DVD. Jennifer Aniston is in it in one of her very first roles. Oh. Yeah, but it's funny because she wasn't a name at the time. So when it was on TV, they were pushing all the the teenage stars because those were the people on TV at the time. Now on DVD, it's like Jennifer Aniston in, you know, because she's the bigger name. But again, talk about a guilty pleasure. Oh my gosh, it's hilariously campy. Was that pre-office space? I believe so. I think it was, um, let me see, I want to say it was an NBC production. I think if you follow her career at all, she had a couple pilots that failed before she landed Friends. So I think this was in that time period where she hadn't gotten Friends because it wasn't on the horizon yet. And she was like on a couple different TV shows that weren't quite taking off. So she was building a name, but you really didn't know who she was. So she's got brown hair in it. Huh. Because, you know, she's normally a blonde. Like she just like, you know, it's her. But like, yeah, completely different. Talk about a guilty pleasure. So how about for you guys? What are some of your guilty pleasure TV shows and movies? Let us know about your bad taste at Writers Group Therapy. You can reach us on Twitter at WG Therapy, at writersgrouptherapy.com. Also let us know on the Facebook page, Writers Group Therapy, Facebook page. Let us know. Get the discussion rolling. And if you like what you hear, subscribe and share it with your friends. We'll see you next week.